what I hope that we can continue to support in the defining of regenerative agriculture is the diversity of perspectives of what needs to be regenerated. Because mm -hmm. we have a global community of participants in our food system and we all have a different relationship to it. Mm -hmm. And thus we might all have a different aspect of agriculture that needs to be regenerated for us. And us as our own customers yep. should be valued in that perspective. <laughs> What does it mean to regenerate? The reemergence of the concept of regeneration in our culture is a hot topic. From producers to products, legislation to certifications, celebrities to students, there's no shortage of passionate perspectives. Welcome to Regen Circle. I'm Paige Fay, and on this show, we're here to explore the reemergence of regenerative concepts and practices and their impact on ecosystems and culture. If you like what you hear, take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Welcome to the circle. Jesse, it's good to be here in your vineyard today. It's great to have you here. Tell me about where we are today. Uh, we're in our small little five acre vineyard here at Halama Canyon Ranch. And this is the Center for Regenerative Agriculture for White Buffalo Land Trust. And um, our organization is a local nonprofit here in coastal California and we have a, a mission to really practice and promote and develop systems of regenerative agriculture and so i'm um, excited to be here today to talk a little bit about that and uh, how it's nested within a much larger conversation than what's just happening here yeah well it's a great case study for the longer conversation and i think one of the things we're going to dive really deeply into today is context and so mm -hmm. i think it felt really important to both of us to be in a space that had meaningful context to what we're going to talk about um, so you and I have had a couple of conversations and I think one of the things that we're mutually passionate about is the both ancient nature of regenerative agriculture and its nascency as an industry. Mm -hmm. And in its nascency as an industry, we're having this moment where a lot of people are seeking to define regenerative agriculture. Um, and recently you all just did a study with the Bren School of Management looking at the different regenerative certifications available. Um, we're going to dive into that more later, but I'd really just like to open with what would a definition of regenerative agriculture benefit and who would it benefit within the value chain? Yeah, I mean, um, I think what you're talking about in both the history of regenerative systems of land stewardship as well as uh, the kind of modern iteration of uh, this regenerative field of agriculture and industry and product and business um, begs the question as we look um, at the emerging definitions that either are um, self-generated within companies and brands um, or within um, different certifications and verifications um, you know what are they what's their purpose like what what what, what is the the outcome of defining regenerative agriculture and who is it being uh, defined for um, and so i think it's important to um, always ask kind of who the customer is, <laughs> you know, whenever we're, we're, we're going through this process of, of uh, uh, working within this field and, and, and engaging within this field, because that can help unwind a little bit of uh, how um, it actually is formulated uh, when you come into a definition or a certification uh, by knowing who it's for. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, one of the things that I hope in this kind of emergence of a new form of regenerative land stewardship is that we start to balance uh, the natural ecosystem 
and all of its inhabitants as uh, a key beneficiary of how we're defining and certifying and verifying it. And not just uh, either ourselves as humans or kind of our business interests. Mm. And, and I think that that's still an open question to me is how do you balance the voice of uh, the landscape? Mm-hmm. And, and how do you do it in a way that is also um, environmentally, ecologically, uh, economically, socially viable to actually verify, certify, um, or speak to? Mm. And I think you made some great points there. In terms of the different definitions that are available and considering both the human component, the landscape component, biodiversity component, sort of all of the elements, social components that make up you know, how we generally think about mm-hmm. regenerative agriculture. What are some of your greatest concerns right now in the different de- definitions you're seeing available? Are there people that you think are really being left off the table um, and not included in the dialogue or, or areas mm. that are that are watchouts for you? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, there are some elements of these definitions and certifications that are more difficult uh, to monitor or to um, allow speak for themselves, to speak for themselves, if you will. Um, I think a lot of people are gravitating to soil as a great convening element. Um, Soil carbon being the most prominent indicator that people are looking to. Um, But there's so much more to soil health than just soil carbon. And it's very unique in different parts of this world and uh, different cropping systems. Um, And as we get into biodiversity and we get into watershed dynamics and we get into human health and communities and, and, and uh, kind of profitability for, for, for human entities, businesses. I think that understanding the uniqueness of each context that we're working in or that we're trying to hear from is going to be critical in um, understanding what is both needing to be regenerated and what is in the process of regeneration. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that at this point, um, by sheer necessity of some of the kind of early stages that certifications and verifications are in, um, there seems to be a, a, a homogeneity of expectation that, mm-hmm. that everybody needs to fit the same bill of either a starting place or progress. And um, there is, um, I think, a lot of work that's being done in order to avoid that, but it's very difficult to do that um, thoroughly Mm-hmm. and uh, uh, equitably, as well as doing it within a, the financial constraints of the time that it takes to truly listen right. to what the land is saying and uh, listen to what needs to be regenerated in that landscape. Right. I, I think the word homogeneity is such an important mm-hmm. one, right, when we, when we think about this. And, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot is context, right, and, and that, you know, it's hard to think of a definition of regenerative agriculture without thinking about context. Yeah. And, you know... I think one of my, my questions is when we look at the different certifications and sort of the three that you've started to look at are ecological outcome verification from the Savory Institute, mm-hmm. which focuses on your livestock um, and, and, that, and how they're managed. Um, regenerative organic mm-hmm. certification, um, which is focused primarily more on the agricultural components and, and the vineyard that we're sitting in, um, as well as soil carbon um, initiative. And when we think about those three, and I know we have Regen Network as well, but that's a little bit of a different discussion. Um, how do those three think about context and, mm-hmm. and the context of, of your land? And yeah. And, and yeah. 
So yeah, I mean, I think that one of the roles that we have decided to step into here within this region is one of uh, demonstra demonstration, but demonstration of, uh, of process and approach. You know, uh, it's not a, a model to emulate, but a framework for how those who are looking to both regenerate land and uh, look at the value creation of that regeneration in the marketplace uh, can approach their own unique context. Mm -hmm. So by uh, engaging in these different verification and certification schemes, um, we don't tell people that they should go and try to get three different certifications and verifications on the landscape. What we're saying is that there are these models out there for verifying and, and certifying the process of regeneration. Let us go through them with you, learn from them, help inform them and develop them, and may help you make a more informed decision of what's right for you. So the reason why we chose those three were um, uh, the, the regenerative organic certification uh, was one that we were really interested in because we inherited stewardship of this vineyard that was historically conventionally managed and we are in the process of transitioning it to uh, uh, an organic certified and ultimately a regeneratively organic certified vineyard. So we're in year two of that process right now um, and we feel like that has a significant opportunity to provide value to those that are either in that transition process as well or who are in an organic uh, a certified cropping system that are looking to differentiate themselves mm. amongst those other organic producers that may not be uh, taking as much of a, a forward-leaning step towards the regeneration of the soil, the water systems, and the biodiversity. So we're trying to be a, a, a co-developer in this emerging field of regenerative organic. Um, we also recognize that um, uh, the, the livestock component of land stewardship has such an impactful kind of scale on our land, mm. is that grazers comprise so much of the, the total acres of agricultural production and um, so working with the Savory Institute as one of their hubs um, and applying the ecological outcome verification, which is kind of the, the data collection and monitoring behind their land to market seal that is the forward facing uh, kind of market seal. Um, we felt was really important for us to bring that value proposition to, to this region and to this, to this marketplace. And to answer your question, that one in particular, the, the EOV, um, has been one that we've really um, appreciated because the monitoring framework, the, the actual rubric for scoring land health, ecological health, um, is one that is rooted in uh, an ecoregion. Mm -hmm. So by utilizing an ecoregion map that is uh, globally relevant, we can take into account uh, the different vegetative communities, uh, the different uh, soil types, uh, in the different kind of cropping dynamics and land uh, kind of cover dynamics in our assumption of a higher potential in that landscape. So as we rate it in this process of regeneration, we have a reference point that is rooted within uh, an ecoregion. Um, and so that's, a, that's one of the ones that we see as a really good um, uh, framework that others can start to look towards in how we at least understand where we are in the world and what is the uniqueness of this place in and how we actually judge it in the process of higher lowers and level uh, lower levels of, of ecological function. Sure. No, that's super helpful. And I, I think 
yeah, Savory and EOV does a really great job of context. And I think they also do a good job of, of iteration and evaluation, because I think that's another element is that a landscape's gonna change every year, right? The ecological conditions, we had a lot of rain this year. You had, you had to deal with flooding, you had to deal with mudslides, you had to deal with a lot of other aspects, and that's gonna change every year. And how you respond to that is gonna change every year. And, you know, are there any other elements of the certifications in terms of iteration and evaluate, evaluation? Do you think that they're sort of, leaving enough room for a natural landscaping and, and leaving enough room because I think you know a lot of the certifications available today are static right like you know certified organic and, and non-gmo it's sort of like once you hit that threshold and you meet those requirements yeah. you're sort of just there in your steady state um do you see regenerative as having a different mindset around that around that's my the hope. threshold point. <laughs> <laughs> that's my hope and yeah. i think that that's uh, i think that's the real challenge that we all have right now is that regeneration is a process so it's really hard to certify and ver some, verify something as regenerative mm. but we can monitor and evaluate the process of regeneration mm. and the, the the way that we bring it out into the marketplace needs to communicate the the dynamics that are constantly in flux on the landscape and within a community and a land manager. Um, and there's things that arise that require new adaptation, new practices, new way, I mean, it, it almost, the regeneration almost necessitates that change and that adaptation. And so we need to find a way uh, in order to have that call and response mm -hmm. between land steward and landscape, mm -hmm. as well as between the landscape and the land stewards product and the marketplace, that there has to be some way of having um, reflection and adaptation built, built, built into it. I'll bring up the Soil Carbon Initiative um, as part of Green America and their work in the SCI um, uh, world in, in an on-package mark in how they're incentivizing the monitoring to be a call and response between the land steward themselves. So mm -hmm. uh, the, the monitoring is not only to show that the land has been regenerated um, in the soil, but also to inform the land steward in their management decisions, like what mm -hmm. actually needs to be addressed in your soil. Yeah. And um, I also really uh, do appreciate the fact that uh, SCI has taken a, a little bit more of a narrow approach on on soil health, mm -hmm. um, even though we know that soil health is nested amongst ecosystem health, you know, as we talk about water, biodiversity, human, um, but it really was able to identify who their audience was, that there was a buyer class out there that cared about soil, mm -hmm. you know, and that that was the indicator that they were looking for associated with their product. Um, and it wasn't ignoring that the other things were important, but it was that this is something that we can bring to market to gain, to gain, gain value to send back to the land and the land steward. Okay. Um, and I think that that to me really speaks to uh, the unique perspectives around what in agriculture needs to be regenerated mm -hmm. and what I hope that we can continue to support in the defining of regenerative agriculture is the diversity of perspectives of what needs to be regenerated. Because mm. we have a global community of participants in our food system and we all have a different relationship to it. Mm. And thus we might all have a different aspect of agriculture that needs to be regenerated for us. And us as our own customers yep. should be valued in that perspective. Mm. Um, and so I bring up SCI because I think that they've identified very clearly that soil health is, there's a large buyer class, there's a large community yeah. that has all rallied around soil health. So let's monitor, verify, and certify that. Um, Definitely. Yeah.
And creating that value in the marketplace is one of the most important things that, that we can do right now. Because if we're not creating that value in the marketplace, if we're not educating consumers and helping them understand and, 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 and codifying the premium and also hopefully allowing that premium to fluctuate and becoming more connected with our food systems and, and, and becoming more connected to when there's a good harvest and when there's a bad harvest yep. and, and, and being able to bring that value back to the land and the farmers. I think that's just such an important next step yeah. for the industry to, to be able to bolster. Well, we were talking a little bit earlier about, uh, you know, why viticulture? You know, why, why, why are we engaging in the growing of, of wine grapes? And um, one of the reasons was the uniqueness of this community. We're in, you know, central California, uh, along the coast. This is a wine growing region. So a lot of people who are engaged in agriculture are engaged within the wine industry. Mm -hmm. So one, it's a calling card. It's an invitation for people to enter the discussion, as well as, uh, wine is one of those food products that has a market that truly appreciates uniqueness. Uh, the uni uniqueness of, of the culture of winemaking in, in different parts of the world, the uniqueness of climate and its impact on the quality of wine, uh, and the uniqueness of the crafts person who actually was the one that brought it from a grape into uh, a finished wine. And that's something we don't often see in a lot of other parts of our food system. Mm -hmm. There's pockets of it in this country. There's a lot more of it globally in different manifestations. But I think that it's one of the aspects of uh, regenerative agriculture in this field that more people are being called towards mm -hmm. is, is the uniqueness of, of the, the plant, the uniqueness of the place, and the uniqueness of the, the people um, or, or, or the uniqueness of the animal, obviously, and livestock considerations. Um, but this is, a, this is a way for us to talk about the uniqueness of this place and, and the uniqueness of, of uh, this process of regenerating land through the lens of a, a commodity, you know, crop that is globally known. And so when we get to sit around and talk about the principles of regeneration, we can talk about it very specifically and concretely in the context of this vineyard. Yeah, and what a beautiful thing to be able to take, you know, I think um, sommeliers and people that are into wine are, are so used to talking about nuance and the terroir mm -hmm. of that specific grape and, and there's, you know, nuance and, and place and so many of the tenets of regenerative agriculture that we want to bring back to how we think about food and nourishment as a whole already are kind of embedded into the culture of wine. And so what a beautiful place to start and hopefully, you know, begin to expand outward. And you're finding more people trying to find that in grains, you know, mm. you know, heritage grains are having a huge revival and regional grain production, you know, was a big revival during COVID with more and more mm. stock shelves were missing, you know, your, yeah. your, your baking flour. And I think that that's a, um, a piece in which when we start talking about the outcomes of regenerative agriculture, people are also asking questions around uh, the impact on human health. Yep. You know, it, we can talk about ecological health, but we can't divorce that from human health. And are we measuring that at the, the farmscape and just assuming that if the farm is healthy, that it will produce healthy food for humans? Are we talking about that in the product mm -hmm. space? Is Are we going to be asking how nutrient-dense food is and the work around nutrient density in food uh, is, is, a, is a big uh, topic of conversation right now amongst this field of work? Um, and are we measuring our actual human health? 
you know, either exposure or lack of exposure to certain harmful chemicals, but also the health of being in an intact ecosystem, whether it be shade or the exposure to healthy biology or the actual food that we get to, to touch and tend um, not being something that actually harms us, but actually helps us. And I think that those are the elements of kind of the, the, the pillar of human health mm -hmm. in the field of regenerative agriculture that is still for me um, a very open question of how do we actually find indicators that are meaningful mm -hmm. so that as customers are supporting uh, businesses, products, farms, yeah. um, it speaks to them that they know that they're also caring for community. Right. And I think that's why, you know, the work of the Nutrient Density Alliance and, yeah. and that whole community is, is so important because, you know, a big way in which the natural organic foods movement has become so popular is because of human health. You know, it's, it's the easiest thing for us to connect to. And yet I think what a lot of the elements of the movement up until this point have missed is the interconnectedness of the social, of the soil, of the human, of the animal, of the biodiversity. And, and so, you know, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, there was an article that we were swapping notes on that, that New Hope put out um, earlier in June. And it was about the California legislature taking a look at putting out an official definition of regenerative agriculture. And I just want to start with sort of your initial reaction to that and going back to the first part of our conversation that regenerative is both an ancient and a nascent industry at this point in time and you know do you think it's the time for a definition of regenerative agriculture and if so what do you think are the really important elements that we consider right now yeah i think that the process that we have been witnessing in this kind of emerging field of uh, regenerative agriculture. And I say emerging once again as kind of like the most modern manifestation of regenerative land stewardship. But within the context of modern agriculture, one that actually cares for ecological regeneration as a, a co-product of agricultural production um, is one that has, um, from the very beginning, had many definitions. You know, and it really, those definitions were sourced from the lineage of thinking that brought people to this field in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so those that came through the organics movement, you know, were going to always hold organic as a core component to a definition of regenerative agriculture. Those that came through a deep understanding of the relationship between large herbivores and grazing herds and the evolution of our grasslands and deep soils we're always going to have a component of animal integration and, and the, the, the impact of animal um, uh, nutrient cycling um, as a component of regenerative agriculture. Um, those that really saw the detrimental effects of our farming and the Dust Bowl and the subsequent kind of soil conservation core that turned into the Natural Conservation, Nature, Natural Conservation, uh, NRCS, Natural Resource Conservation Service, like soil was always going to be the crux of it. So I think that it was important to track where people came from when thinking about how they were defining regenerative agriculture. But once again, I always really appreciated the nuance and diversity of those, those definitions. And now as we start to lean towards one definition that is being held uh, at a state level within California, you can see uh, the, uh, the potential kind of downstream effects of funding and resource allocation of what that would do. Um, and I think that it's, it could be really positive in that it does 
funnel more resources towards this work. And it also could be um, slightly detrimental if it um, either creates outliers or others or kind of shades people from access to those resources because of an alternative uh, perspective or definition of regenerative agriculture. And so I think that there's a really important question that we have to ask ourselves, um, or I should say there's two. One, does it need to be strictly defined? And two, if it is, then who are we desi de designing and defining it for? Right. And I think that that's, that's what we're both really interested in talking about, yeah. you know, and that's what, that's what, uh, keeps these conversations alive and, and exciting is that um, it's not easy and it's very complex. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a moving target because constantly evolving, people's thinking is constantly evolving, our understanding is constantly evolving. Um, and so I'm very interested in tracking where the conversation is going, um, but I also feel like it's one that um, I can't stand on the sidelines and just witness yeah. because it's too important uh, to the work we're trying to achieve in this field of agriculture to potentially have it be uh, to the detriment of the higher potential that we're seeking to achieve. Definitely. And I think, you know, our agricultural system, at least in relatively recent history, has shown that it often benefits or leans towards not necessarily the people actually working the land. So whether that's, you know, indigenous land stewards, farmers themselves, you know, and so I think having a conversation that includes stakeholders from everyone in the value chain, you know, from the land stewards themselves to the brands themselves to the policymakers is, is one that I know we're both interested yeah. in in having. So where we left off was we were talking about the California legislature looking mm -hmm. to create a definition of regenerative agriculture. And there's a couple more elements that I'd love to dive in here. And, and one of the elements is about MRV protocols. And we, we talked about those a little bit earlier. There's, there's a lot of different aspects. Context is incredibly important when we think about this. What do you think is being left out within the MRV protocols available today? Where do you think there's opportunity? Yeah, I mean, I think that when we're looking at um, our soil, and looking at carbon, there's so many interrelated components um, that are, are doing their best to be captured, um, but they're very difficult depending on temperature and soil moisture um, and uh, just the, the seasonality and those fluctuations. And it's very easy to say, we'll take more samples, you know, come out quarterly, come out monthly. And the cost gets so exorbitant for, for lab fees and just field tech work. Um, that we're ultimately having to settle for um, a snapshot in time. Mm. You know, a, sh a short snapshot in time, looking um, at sometimes a very shallow soil horizon. Um, but we, we are witnessing in all the different protocols that we are running through both this landscape as well as um, on other landscapes we're working on, um, you know, there, there's a continual balancing act between how deep do we do, do we go into the soil? Um, how much are we aggregating samples? That's a big question right now within MRV um, is uh, how accurate of the visibility we're getting into what happens on a landscape and all the diversity of soil types or moisture zones um, when we're putting them all into one sample and testing that. Um, 
And then ultimately, when we're talking about carbon, um, how we're, how deep we're, we're sampling. So with, with much of the monitoring and research and verification that is being done associated with these certifications and verifications, um, we're at maximum going about 30 centimeters uh, into the soil. Um, some of them are asking for us to um, subdivide on horizons, so 0 to 15 and 15 to 30. Um, but there's you know, research out there that really is, is showing that the soil carbon needs to be measured at depth. Um, but that's expensive and, and it's, it's labor intensive. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that I think that is missing is the, the, the diverse dynamic nature of carbon as uh, soil carbon or, or atmospheric carbon uh, or living carbon, you know, as, as biological life. Um, and so uh, our, our fixation on carbon, I think, is missing a lot of the, the flow and flux of carbon as a cycle uh, through the landscape. And I think that the other key component, especially here in California, is that uh, carbon is not our limiting factor here. There's plenty of it. It might not all be in the soil, but there's plenty of it in the atmosphere. Um, our limiting factor is water. And, and water, I think, should be um, the conversation that uh, California is happening when we talk about our relationship between human agriculture and natural landscapes. Um, and to measure water, once again, we need to be thinking about all the different places it could be or where it could be coming from um, and how it interacts uh, on these kind of macro uh, kind of cycles as well as on these micro cycles of the, the kind of small water cycles. Um, and so it's, it's one of the things that we're really invested in in here and, and that's where kind of our partnership with uh, the region network as an ecosystem service payment marketplace is really looking at how do we bundle these co-benefits of this work of regenerative agriculture um, uh, along with carbon and soil health right. to create a, a, a resource for land stewards that is actually differentiated from the products themselves. So instead of trying to sell a, a pound of beef or a bottle of wine or a bottle of olive oil with a certification or verification that shows land regeneration on it, and that's the way that we get more value in the marketplace, we're saying there might be another avenue where there's a buyer class, a stakeholder group that actually doesn't want to buy the food product, but wants to support the ecological health of a place um, in a voluntary marketplace. And um, to that end, uh, we want to try to raise the value opportunity beyond just soil carbon, uh, which in, in most marketplaces trading somewhere between $12, $15 uh, a ton and bundle that with uh, watershed health and, and biodiversity um, dynamics in order to create kind of a packaged um, ecological health uh, credit um, that can pay farmers to do uh, kind of the, the indirect work that may be on the kind of basket uh, that their agriculture is nested within. Right. I think that's such an important element of how to continue to build diversity within an agricultural system because in the absence of that we tend to move towards cash crops or commodities or things that are continuing to make money even if they are stripping the soil, even if they are using a ton of water, even if they are more challenging um, you know, on the landscape itself. And so I'd love the work that Regen Network is doing with you guys to, to start to build these ecosystem currencies that will inherently build in diversity and, and additional financial support for farmers. Um, you know, one of my questions is, 
in a lot of spaces, you know, soil carbon or climate smart agriculture has started to become synonymous with regenerative agriculture. Sure. And, you know, as we're thinking about a definition for regenerative that should definitely include climate resiliency, how do you think about agriculture in California in the next 10, 20, 30 years? And how do you think about what does a climate smart or climate resilient vision of agriculture okay. look like that is also compatible with a regenerative viewpoint? I think the one thing that we know for sure is that agriculture in California today is not going to look like California agriculture in 30 to 50 years, yeah. you know, and that's one of the most, um, you know, unique things about California agriculture is that it is continually adapting and changing to environmental and, and market, uh, incentives as well as, uh, uh, maybe some prodding as well. Um, and so California farmers, ranchers, land stewards of all type are very, um, uh, ingenious in finding a way forward. Um, and so if we set up the right incentives to find a way forward for a more diverse and more climate resilient agricultural landscape, I have uh, full belief that California farmers and ranchers will find a pathway towards that. But I think that that's the question. How do we incentivize that? What are the, the mechanics of uh, funneling resources into uh, the communities from different avenues, whether it's state or federal funded dollars, private philanthropy, the open marketplace. Um, you know, how do we find ways and mechanisms to be able to incentivize farmers and ranchers and land stewards to be able to take those steps in order to maybe switch cropping type, um, invest in uh, my more diverse cropping systems, you know, whether it be um, adding uh, perennial crops amongst annual crops as hedgerows and windbreaks and shelter belts, um, whether it's adding livestock into cropping systems, you know, grazing down cover crops or grazing off fields post-harvest, um, or it's increasing uh, the habitat and a ground cover around cropping systems with, you know, cover crop and compost and hedgerows and stuff like that. Like all these practices come back to the unique context of each cropping system and uh, what ultimately is the opportunity to both increase the biodiversity and the functionality, but also uh, make it financially viable to those who are already under the very strict constraints of making agriculture work and support uh, livelihoods in, in, in California. Sure. As a land steward of a thousand acres here in California, what is one thing that the California government could do to support a more successful and regenerative project here at Halama? Well, you're trying to pigeonhole me into a monocrop answer there. <laughs> <laughs> you I, can give me three things too. We can, we can dive I, into it. <laughs> I'll respond by saying, uh, the one thing that I would like to see more of uh, being supported is projects that incentivize uh, collaboration between multiple entities on uh, kind of singular cropping or production systems. There's community that is around these systems and they don't often have the incentives to engage with each other mm -hmm. and to sit down at the table and to understand the each individual constraint and opportunity. So you have the producer, uh, you have the processor, 
you have the buyer, you have the customer, you have the monitor, and you have the policy advisor and technical service provider. Mm -hmm. provider. Like, they each might have certain interactions with each other, but a lot of times they don't have a lot of visibility up and down the value chain. Yep. Um, and I'm seeing more interest both from uh, uh, government dollars as well as private philanthropy trying to incentivize projects that bring those stakeholders to the table mm. to, to, to ask better questions, uh, to provide more transparency and clarity, and ultimately uh, create a more intact community around whether it's almonds or cattle or grapes or cotton um, around an industry, um, because that's what is the entity that is trying to evolve forward within this uh, system of regenerative agriculture. That was a great answer. Community collaboration. Yeah, it was, was, it was my way of getting polyculture of an answer <laughs> into a monocrop question. find a way. Constraint breeds creativity. There you go. You know? of all inventions. <laughs> what have I missed? What are the questions that I'm maybe not asking on this, on this topic of defining regenerative ag? Well, I think that the big open question right now is who else needs to be in this conversation? You know, it's it, just me and you out here in the field can muse all we want, but I think that there's a lot of other stakeholders um, that have such a valuable uh, perspective on this. And I think that the more people we hear from and the more voices we hear from, um, the more uh, texture and some, the more body, the more substance a definition has the potential of having. Yeah. You know, I think that um, if uh, you don't engage with a, a, a wide breadth of people, then it might come out a little bit thin. Um, and that, that's my biggest concern and what I would kind of pose back to you is, um, you know, how willing are you to go out and talk to more people? <laughs> <laughs> very willing, you okay. know, I, I, very willing. I, I think that um, one of the things that we as a culture have limited is that diversity of thought. And, and I think I'm continually inspired by the resiliency of people that work on land and by their creativity. And so I'm excited to start to get more of those perspectives in a room because I think that we actually can get a lot further. It's just like you said with collaboration on different projects. I, I think that we can get a lot further than we maybe imagined we could. I think we get stuck and mired and this is the way that things have to be and this is the way that things have been and this is what a definition has to look like and in order for it to have value in the marketplace it has to do X, Y, and Z. And um, you know, one of the things we had talked about is if it's, if it has rules, is it, is it regenerative? Mm -hmm. You know, C can there be rules in a regenerative system? I'm not sure. Um, but I think that with the right creative collaborators at the table, we have the ability to expand mm -hmm. how we think about regenerative and expand how we think about the economic systems that our agriculture sits within. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And I mean, when you start talking about, um, kind of rules and constraints that a definition may construct around this emerging field of work. Um, uh, a mentor and, and co-thinker of mine often reminded me every time we started talking about defining something that the Latin root of define means to end and to kill. Mm. Um, and I think that that's important for us to remember in thinking about a constantly evolving form of agriculture that is needing to be regenerated, when you think about a definition of it, mm -hmm. how are we building into its core ethos one of process, evolution, regeneration, and change? 
because if we leave it static, then uh, it can't actually evolve along with the field it's trying to engage with. Mm. And um, that's something that, you know, could be unique in, a, in its own right is, you know, uh, an evolving consortium that allows for review and revision on, you know, a biannual or annual basis to, to be able to continue to listen to the field, yeah. you know, so at least people up front knew that this wasn't the end. Yeah. You know, I think that might even get more stakeholder buy-in from, from the beginning. Right. Um, and I actually do respect quite a few of the brands who have come to the table with their own definitions sure. and their own frameworks for, for defining regenerative agriculture within their sourcing um, and have put version one at the bottom. Yeah. Version two, you know, we're, we're, we're continually doing, continuing to evolve our thinking. Yep. Like whether I agree with the, the, the language, I really appreciate and honor uh, the, um, the vulnerability of, of saying I don't know yet, yep. but I am committed to finding out. I think that this conversation presents a beautiful opportunity, not only for us to work together to better understand what could regenerative agriculture do for our relationship to food and, and the communities that, that create our food, but also a really beautiful opportunity for us to think differently. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm excited to, to continue the conversation at some Same point. Here. All right. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Jesse. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show. And if you want to learn more about how to get involved with The Circle, visit us at our website or on social media. We're always looking for like-minded people to connect with.